Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back. 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980. Live and free anywhere on the Odyssey app. Let's get out to the BetQL guest hotline and bring in Keith Law from The Athletic. Keith, how you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing good. So, big day for D.C. outside of football. We've had the last two days celebrating... The commander's sale to the Josh Harris group today, just a couple of blocks away from our studio down here by Nats Park in the Navy Yard, they introduced Dylan Cruz and his official signing with the Washington Nationals. For Nationals fans out there, what kind of ceiling does this guy have and how excited should they be that they got Dylan Cruz here with the team here in D.C.? So I have Cruz as the number one player in this draft on my ranking of all of the players in this very, very loaded draft class. Obviously, the Nets got him with the second overall pick. He is coming off of a three-year career at LSU where he was uh, certainly the best hitter in college baseball, one of the best I think we've ever seen, and did it in the SEC, which offers the best caliber of competition that there is anywhere in amateur baseball. Uh, he can really hit. He's got just an exceptional feel for putting the ball in play and doing it, uh, making hard contact, using the whole field with some power. I think he's probably going to be more of a 20-homer guy than a 30-homer guy. But hitting for average with very strong on-base percentages, he's got a chance to stay in center field. He may eventually get pushed to a corner by a better defensive center fielder. Someone like James Wood in the national system is a much better defender. But Cruz can play it, and that gives him a chance to be quite valuable if he stays up the middle or to add a lot more defensive value if he does end up moving to a corner to an easier position. And thinking about Cruz... How long is it, do you think, before he's done in the Curly W and playing here in D.C.? So I think you should be looking for him by next summer, assuming he doesn't get hurt. My guess is they'll start him at Fredericksburg for a little bit, probably have him come here to Wilmington, where I live, for a couple of weeks, setting him up to start next season in AA. That's as aggressive as we ever see any team with a recent college draftee. Matt McLean did it. A couple of years ago, Brooks Lee did it this year. He was the ace pick in the draft last year, started this year in double-A Wichita, and is doing well. And I would expect Cruz to have no problem anywhere in the low minors. They probably just will have him kind of make the tour of the Nets minor league affiliates, spend a little time at each stop, probably spend the most time at double-A with the goal towards having him in the big leagues by the all-star break next year because I just think he's that advanced of a hitter that, if nothing else, he doesn't have much to learn in the minors. All of his further development is probably going to happen in the big leagues. Talking with Keith Law from The Athletic, and so you just put out your recent prospect rankings in the top 60, and two things immediately stood out to me. You know, as a Nationals fan, the first thing I look for is where's Cruz and where's Wood, and you have Wood all the way down at number 20, as opposed to a lot of other publications have him more towards the top five and definitely inside the top 10. Can you explain why you have him a little bit lower? 
Well, I, I think I'm ranked appropriately. Um, I've seen Wood quite a bit this year. And if you followed Wood, uh, he's very talented. He's got a huge, huge ceiling. He's also got a pretty big strike zone and he's having trouble with the strike zones, particularly since the promotion to double A, although you could see it even when he was here in Wilmington having a lot of success, there's in zone miss. He is going to have trouble keeping his contact rate up. And that is a pretty significant, uh, significant flaw for any hitter, even one as talented as he is with huge power, huge speed, great defensive center fielder, but you have to hit, you have to hit to be able to get to that power. And I also lean on the fact that hitters his size, six foot seven or taller, have historically had a very hard time succeeding in the majors. And one of the main, main reasons is that their strike zones are huge and they swing and miss too much. It keeps the average down and then they can't get to that power. And I think that is going to be the, the biggest, maybe the only real thing that separates Wood from either being a superstar because he has the tools to do so or being a guy who's who just is kind of a disappointment relative to expectations, who's, you know, an up and down player can't play regularly because he might be striking out 30% of the time. And it's just hard to be a successful major leaguer when you're striking out that much, when you're swinging and missing as often as he, as he especially has been since he got to double A. Well, and this sounds a lot like Elijah Green with swinging and missing in the zone. So the question is with the nationals here, is there some concern with the development here? Cause you know, we've talked about this before, whether it's, you know, choosing the right players in the draft or is it the development? But, you know, I think you can see the talents pretty obvious with Green. You can see the talents pretty obvious with Wood, but they're struggling to make contact in the zone. Is this something that the Nationals development is struggling with, or is this just a case that the player, that's their hole and they need to work on it? I don't think it has anything to do with their development. I think both players, and I don't think those two players are, are very similar either. Wood is far more talented and has far, uh, just a better baseball IQ, far better instincts on both sides of the ball than Green does. Elijah Green also should probably not be in low A, but since uh, Rob Manfred decided to contract the minors and get rid of short season between the complex leagues and low A, there's no place to send him. They could demote him to the Gulf Coast League, whatever they're calling it these days. Maybe that's the best move, but what he really needs is an intermediate level that, that doesn't exist. And players like Elijah Green are really getting hurt by this. But both of those guys came into pro ball with swing and miss questions. They actually came out of the same high school. Wood was drafted by the Padres, obviously, Green by the Nationals. But we knew both of those guys had some swing and miss concerns, even as high schoolers. And I said that even ranking Green quite highly in that draft, that that was the main concern on him. Huge upside, but questions about ball strike awareness, pitch selection as a hitter. And what we've seen is, Wood is quite a bit more disciplined, and at least so far at A-ball, was able to get around that, whereas Green has it. He is, uh, he's really drowning at this point, and, and I do worry about what happens if he stays there the rest of the year and continues to swing in this as often as he is. Does that really stall further development? Talking with Keith Law from The Athletic. So going back more so to just James Wood here, you mentioned mm-hmm. the concerns with the swing and miss in the zone. How confident are you that he can fix some of these issues enough to become a big leaguer and then maybe turn himself into you know, an impact player that the Nationals are kind of expecting him to be at some point? Well, ranking him as the 20th best prospect in baseball, I think, speak to, speaks to a, what I think is a pretty high degree of confidence for a guy who is who's having these issues and who has kind of the physical impediment of just being so tall. It is literally a, a, a huge factor here is his strike zone is larger than almost everybody else's in all of baseball. 
you know, everyone looks at Aaron Judge now and says, oh, well, you know, he could be like that. Aaron Judge is, he's kind of a unicorn anyway. But also, he didn't strike out this much in the minors. And so it is just a big challenge for any player. This is less specific to Wood and more that players that tall who have this kind of swing and miss issue don't get around it all that often. I give Wood a higher chance than most because he's incredibly athletic. Uh, he has already made quite a few adjustments in the two full years that he has been in the minors. And because it does seem like he has pretty good instincts too. So I give him a much higher than average chance versus if you could pick some random six, seven prospect who, uh, who was having similar strike zone issues. I think Wood is about as high probability maybe as it gets to be able to overcome this. But I just have to recognize what I, what we call the base rate of hitters that size who swing and miss that often is actually not that great. So we talked about James Wood being a little bit lower than consensus in your top 60 rankings here, but another guy for the Nationals that a lot of consensus has him more in the 70s, some in the 60s. You have him all the way up at number 30 is Brady House. What have you seen that allows you to put him all the way up as the 30th ranked prospect? Well, another guy I've seen, he was, he was here in Wilmington for a hot minute, and all I saw that guy do was hit everything on the screws. Uh, that is pretty exceptional power and very hard contact. And that was his calling card in high school. It's why the Nationals took him in, with a top 10 pick in the draft in 2021, in the, to the same year that the Padres took James Wood. And House, he probably would have been in Wilmington last year, except he'd been hurt. He missed most of the year. Starts in Fredericksburg, tears it up, comes here. He's literally here for 16 games. All he does is continue to make hard contact. I thought he'd stay here a bit longer because there's some question. In his case, it's more chase. It's going after pitches outside of the zone, which I actually think is generally an easier thing to teach young players to cut down on, recognizing balls and strikes versus being able to make more contact with pitches that are in the zone. I think in, as a, in the general case, it's easier to work on that. But I think House, I, I actually saw less chase, less concern about swinging this from him in the handful of games I saw from him here and also got him at the Futures game really briefly. And I think there's pretty huge offensive upside there. And I also have no concern about him staying at third base. I think he has a big power hitting third baseman who, yeah, maybe he strikes out a quarter of the time, but he does everything else you could want a guy to do at the plate. Just a couple more here for you, talking with Keith Law from The Athletic. Robert Hassel III, a guy that so many people viewed as a very safe prospect to get mm-hmm. from the Padres, in the Soto deal, a lot of people are excited. Maybe they question the ceiling, but his floor was supposed to be high. And this season, what we've seen at Double A has not been very encouraging. Is there something that is going on? Like, what have you seen from Robert Hassel this year? I haven't seen Hassel personally this year. I will also say I agree with everything you just said. Coming into the season, he was the safe one of the five guys they got in the trade. He was supposed to be the highest floor. You got a big leaguer. You probably got a regular. You might not have a whole lot more than that but he could really hit. And that was kind of his thing all the way back to high school. And it's what he did all the way up through until the promotion to double A last year. And he is completely stalled out in double A and he's not making much, not making enough contact and he's not making good quality contact. The only thing I'll say is he is still pretty young. And my guess is he will probably return to double A next year. But as far as I know, there is nothing. It's not a swing issue is not a hidden injury if there is one i don't think anybody knows about it and i'm just completely flummoxed i had somebody a a front office executive 
who saw my top 60 ranking uh, before I published it. I sent it around to people, a lot of people for feedback and asked about Hassel. And he said, uh, in his organization's view, he's not a top 150 prospect. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Mm-hmm. So looking at the Nationals draft this year, mm-hmm. any guys outside of Cruz that you're pretty excited about for the Nationals to get? I mean, obviously getting Morales and Sikora, what they view as three first-round guys alongside Cruz is pretty exciting. Any of those guys stand out for you in their Nationals draft class this year? Well, that was that's essentially the draft class, right? After that, it was largely, if not exclusively, guys who would sign for underslot so they could save money to pay uh, particularly Sakura. And I agree. I had all three of those guys ranked in my top 35 in the draft class, which is basic. And we're not going to quibble first round ish, right? Lots of people thought Morales was a top 20 talent. It's a good swing. He does hit the ball hard. He can show you some power to all fields. He's not terribly disciplined as a hitter. I think there's going to be some swing and miss there. There's questions of whether he stays at third base, but to get him with your second pick, is great, great value. And he will be a good challenge for player development to get him to cut down on some of both Chase and Swing and Miss in the zone. Sakura is very much a national type of pitching prospect. I think he's 6'6", right-handed, has been up to 100 with an out pitch in his splitter. Going to have to work on a breaking ball, work on command and control. He's typical Texas throws really hard type of pitcher, but the feel for pitching isn't quite there yet. And the biggest thing with all these high school pitchers is just keeping them healthy. We've seen with Andrew Painter with the Phillies. He's probably not going to pitch now until 2025. He was the best high school pitcher in his particular draft class. And as recently as this spring looked like he might be in the big leagues before he turned 20, high school pitchers are just risky. But if you want to take that guy with your third-round pick because you've already got two really good college position players in your draft class, by all means, do that all day long. Last question here, talking with Keith Law from The Athletic. I think it's appropriate. It's his bobblehead day down at the Nationals Park tonight against the Giants. C.J. Abrams, we've seen a totally different player out of him. I know it's a small sample size of him in the leadoff spot, but really over the last month, last 20, 30 games, he's been a different player. Is this the guy that the Nationals expected to get when they traded for him? Is this more of what C.J. Abrams is going to be? Is this you know, kind of what he looked like as a prospect? I guess it depends on what you've seen from him in the last couple of weeks. I, I can tell you that the expectations of Abrams, even as a when he was a high schooler, and particularly in his first year out with the Padres, was a guy who'd hit for average, get on base at a good clip, steal a ton of bags, uh, play pretty good defense at short, which I know has not been present for him this year, certainly with Washington, and might eventually come into 15 to 20 homers. And I think the thing it certainly seemed like we've been waiting on and uh, from seeing Abrams like in April of May and May of this year, it looked like we were still kind of waiting on the strength to come, that the swing was there. The decisions were pretty good. It looks, looked to me like his approach was better this year than it was last year, and he just wasn't getting a ton of results. I know he hit a few more homers this year, and I think that's a great sign. I still want to believe there's a little more power there, that he's going to get stronger, and that that will also let him – boost the walk rate a little bit because pitchers won't feel so emboldened to challenge him in the zone. It seems like pitchers figure he doesn't have a lot of power. I can attack him mostly with strikes and he's doing what he needs to do in that situation. But it does mean I think last I looked, he only had 15 walks this entire year. That's not a typical leadoff profile, but I also think he's young physically still kind of immature. And that means that better things are to come. Yeah, Keith, I think to be honest with you, what we've seen since he's gone up to that leadoff spot, I think you laid it out perfectly He's hit for average. He's been on base. He's stolen 
basically the amount of bags he had all season long in the last mm-hmm. 10 to 12 games. So I think he has found something here at the big league level. Hopefully it can, can continue, but appreciate the time, Keith. Thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. There you heard from Keith Law from The Athletic. Go check out his work there and does a great job with prospects. You could hear, I mean, he knows all the Nats guys. It's impressive. A guy that covers national prospects knows all about the Nationals, so it's good having him. He joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Going to hit a break, and then we'll get to Ryan Clary coming up at 5.30. More to come here on... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fan. Appreciate Keith Law for joining us here, 106.7 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you for just over another hour before we turn it over to Charlie and Dave and Nats on deck before Game 2. Giants and Nationals. Saw a video on Twitter. It looks like the line's getting pretty long to get into Nats Park. C.J. Abrams bobblehead night. They look good, too. We got a couple here in the studio. They look good. The dreads look good. It's a cool-looking bobblehead. C.J. doing his thing. Big old swing. Looks like a second deck shot. Yeah, it's a cool one. I made sure to grab one and put in my room. I like it. Go along with Josiah Gray. Although, I will say, he's way bigger than Josiah Gray. The bobblehead, <laughs> way bigger. It kind of makes Josiah look a little bit small, but really cool bobblehead. So if you get a chance, go check that out. The other thing I wanted to tell you, because you know maybe it's a little bit late for some of you, but I believe their first pitch is usually around 6.30. Bowie Bay Sox 
So they're taking on Harrisburg right now. And Brady House got called up. I got over there on Tuesday night. Brady House got called up. You got Robert Hassel over there, Trey Lipscomb, obviously James Wood. And to be honest with you, I know a lot of us are Nats fans here, but the biggest star isn't even on Harrisburg, even though, according to Pipeline, you got the number, I believe, four prospect in all the baseball in James Wood. You got Brady House there, Hassel. Jackson Holiday for the Bay Sox. That dude went crazy when I was over there on Tuesday night. Two for four night, hit the ball real hard. The The Senators struggled. They only got two hits, one from Hassel, one from Lipscomb in the ninth inning. Not a great showing from them. But if you get a chance, they're in town till tomorrow night. So maybe if you're out and about in the Maryland area near Bowie and got nothing to do on a Saturday evening, go check out the Senators and the Bay Sox. Otherwise, you can check them out tomorrow. I'm sure that's a daytime game. I think there's fireworks after the game tonight. Maybe go check that out. But you know, maybe you're coming down here. C.J. Abrams bobblehead night. And he's been a totally different player in that leadoff spot. I do want to get into that just a little bit later. But, you know, Keith Law laid it out there. You know, you've got so many good guys to get excited about in this Nationals organization. You know, we talked about a bunch of them. Obviously, hopefully, the, the development can be a little bit better than what we've seen in the past. I mean, Brady House, that guy's really taking steps forward. And I think it's really been a thing where if he can just stay healthy, then he's shown that he can hit the baseball and be really effective. Hopefully they can figure out the little things with James Wood and make sure that swing and miss doesn't become more of a problem like Elijah Green has become. I mean, there's still some concerning things, but I think the nice part if you're a Nationals fan is for years and years when we talked about prospects, there was one guy we'd talk about, maybe two, and they weren't particularly that great. And yes, some of that is a product of the fact that they were competing for World Series at the time and winning divisions, and that obviously was more fun than just talking about prospects while you lose every single night in the big league club. But at the same point, it is kind of nice to be able to talk about a minor league system now that has some real talent in it. I mean, people are raving about James Wood and the ability that he has as a six-seven guy to hit for power and speed and you know, I think even in his piece, Keith Law lays out with Wood, like if he can just fix some of the swing and miss, like this guy's got a sky-high ceiling. And you see guys like Elijah Green, if he can figure things out. Now, that's not to say that that's a light thing to do because there are some serious issues with what Elijah Green has done this season, some big-time concern. But if he could, I mean, this guy could have a higher ceiling than all of them, including Dylan Cruz. And obviously that's the man of the hour the guy that was introduced today. He was over on the field taking BP and shagging fly balls over at Nats Park. Maybe you'll get to see him if you're going over to the game tonight. Pretty cool time to be a Nationals fan. After, you know, 2019 was awesome. 2020 was disappointing. 2021 was even more disappointing, seeing guys get moved. Last year, kind of the last one of the whole group with Soto getting moved is like, oh, man, this could be a long, long time before we see Good baseball again. But I don't think it's too long in the future. And I think if you look back at that Soto trade, I think the Nationals made the right move. Going to continue talking about the Nationals. Also want to ask Ryan Clary about his time over at Old Ox the other day. What a time, man. What a last couple of days this has been for DC sports. It's been a lot of fun. We'll talk about it with Ryan Clary next here on The Fan, the Team 980, and always live and free on the Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Yep. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you for another hour here. It's time to get out to the BetQL guest hotline, bring in our guy, Ryan Clary. What's going on, Stallion? I'm doing well, my friend Toby. How are you? Doing good. We just had Keith Law on about 15 minutes ago, so you better bring it. (laughs) All the pressure is in my court. All right, here we go. Well, I want to start. We are going to get into some Nationals here as you're the host of the Locked on Nationals podcast. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But I want to start. Thursday was a fantastic day for the entire region, and you got to experience it out at Old Ox Brewery. What was that like? I mean, I just can't say enough for also all the listeners out there who showed up to it. I mean, Old Ox Brewery was a great host. I mean, the By Dan IPA was, oh, my God, what a success that they had over there at Old Ox. But – even just being there on Thursday, it just I, I, I've seen so many people cry inside that brewery. We were there last time when they officially announced that Dan Snyder signed the release to sell this team. People were literally crying right then and there. And then two days ago when we were there on Thursday, we saw more people cry. People were cheering. I mean, it was one of the craziest events I've ever been to. And I think back to the Stanley Cup and the World Series, and I truly do think that that day, I believe it was July 20th, is a day that will live in infamy here in the DMV. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was such a fantastic day celebrating it and hearing the the jubilation, obviously having Josh Harris call in and all the craziness that ensued. What have your thoughts been? Just, you know, the couple days that they've been here, you obviously have heard the press conference numerous times cutting it up for the station here. What have your thoughts been of Harris and the whole group? Adults. They're adults, and it's really as simple as that. When I look at these guys, when they're talking in public spaces, which ways we have never seen Dan Snyder do over the course of his 20-plus year run here in Washington, D.C., it, it just felt different immediately off the bat. When you see Josh Harris in front of all the fans at FedEx Field, he's up there, he's high-fiving fans in the mix of the crowd. He doesn't have 10 bodyguards around him at all times. This is a different ownership. And then you also consider the fact Magic Johnson, man. Magic Johnson, an NBA legend, 
a multiple-time NBA champion, is part of this ownership group. And to have someone like him, the humanitarian that he is, it's just unbelievable to think about that you've put this group together and you even talk about Mitchell Rails. I think Mitchell Rails and what he did just speaking those two and a half, three minutes, it shows that all of these guys, they care about this. And I also like the fact that they were fans of this team. They've grown up in this area. And so a lot of people would say, oh, well, Dan Snyder grew up here too. But I think this is different. From what they have shown me over the last 48 hours, they have literally shown more public figures than what Dan has ever done in his entire career owning this, uh, not national team, but this Commanders team or Redskins, Washington football team, whatever you want to say. One last one here before we get into the Nationals. I mean, you listen to that press conference plenty of times, as you know, as the case when you're producing. So many times. Cutting it up. Was there anything that stood out? Because I think there was a lot of good things that he said, but was there anything specific that stood out to you that he said in his press conference yesterday? Yeah, I like in particular when he was asked about the team name, Josh Harris made it very clear that this was not about him because the question was directed, like, what do you think about the name, Josh Harris? And he was like, well, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about the fans and the people who are going to be purchasing said jerseys or coming to the game and not sitting at home and, and enjoying it from their own environment. He, it just feels like a family environment, you know what I mean? It's very inclusive, something that we didn't really get with the Dan Snyder era. And even then, I just had faith in this group to do much better things than the previous owner with Snyder. So I think that's the best part about it was that it didn't really make it about himself. He made it about everybody around him, about the fans, and that's what it should be going forward. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought he nailed the press conference, absolutely. And let's go from one press conference to another, talking with Ryan Clary, host of Locked on Nationals. Dylan Cruz introduced today. Anything stand out from his press conference today? Oh, yeah. When he was asked about pressure, because as you know, Toby, Dylan Cruz has had he's had a, a target on his back for the last few years at LSU. He was the number one prospect, one of the best high school prospects enter the 2020 draft. And then all of a sudden, he skips the draft, goes to LSU, and he's had this target on his back the last three years, and he never flinched about that. And he was asked about the pressure. And he says that he leans into it. And obviously that is what you want for someone who's selected at number two overall. And in my belief, who's the best player in this draft, this is someone who's going to step in this room and really be a difference maker from day one whenever he makes that major league lineup. And looking at Dylan Cruz, we've talked about him extensively, you know, off air as well, just talking about him as a prospect. What is the ceiling for Dylan Cruz? Is he an MVP-type player? Is he a guy that's a perennial all-star? What are you expecting out of Dylan Cruz? Well, when I see Dylan Cruz, and someone actually made this comparison to me the other day, I see a lot of Andrew McCutcheon in him. And Andrew McCutcheon did win an MVP, but to answer your direct, your direct question, I do think Dylan Cruz could win an MVP. I could see him hitting 30 to 35 home runs. And even Kevin Franson was on the broadcast over on Masson talking about how he sees the quick hands that Anthony Rendon had. Anthony Rendon, now while he's not an MVP kind of player anymore, he certainly had that potential and that impact back in 2019, even 2018. So I think I could see the hitter kind of being like an Anthony Rendon type. I don't think he'll have the power as a Rendon, but I think he could certainly develop that because that's what they talked about a lot, the quick hands. And with that frame that he has, he kind of has that low kind of quirky build where he can actually have some power back in the back of that swing. It's just a matter of if he could bring that out. Talking with Ryan Clary, host of the Locked On Nationals podcast.
So go into the big league club now. C.J. Abrams, bobblehead night tonight. He's been a totally different player in that leadoff spot, but really just over the last month. Do you think he's turned the corner? Do you think he's found something? I think he has found something here, and I, I do think it's because of being in that leadoff spot. When you give someone who's only 22 years old, hey, you're a starting shortstop in the major leagues. You try to feel that and deal with it and have everything come with that. There's a ton of pressure on the plate of someone like C.J. Abrams. So when he was batting ninth or eighth or whatever it may be, that was nice and all, but that's not what we want to see from him. That's not what the organization wants to see from him. This guy has got to be a leadoff hitter or a two-hitter at the MLB level, and I think giving him that spot has really just kind of shown confidence in what the Nationals believe in him, and that's what it should have been all along, in my opinion. And I think with all of this really success over the last month and being in that leadoff spot, I think it's going to be a great thing going forward because as we've seen so far, the results have been showing. We've been hitting, the offense has been a lot better, and getting C.J. Abrams on base, it doesn't matter however he does it. If he gets hit by a pitch, if he gets walked, if he has a single or a bunt, this guy is a menace on the base path, and that is awesome for power hitters in the back like Elaine Thomas or Dominic Smith, Joey Manessis, all those kind of guys. And I know the pace that he's been on since he's been in the leadoff spot maybe isn't fully sustainable. I mean, he's basically stealing a bag every game. He's hitting, what, 350, 360 since he's been in the leadoff spot. Mm -hmm. But do you think this is more of what CJ is? A guy, you know, we talked with Keith Law, asked him about him, and he said, as a prospect, you expected a guy that hit for average, gets on base, steals a lot of bags, maybe hits for a little bit of power, 15 to 20 homers. I actually think what I've seen from him this year, he could hit more than that in terms of homers. Not like he's hitting 40, but I think 25 maybe, somewhere in that range. Like, is this something that you think CJ can be going forward where he is the leadoff guy and makes this kind of an impact for this ball club? I do. Now, I don't think he's going to hit 350 over the stretch of a couple months there, but I think C.J. Abrams does have that hit tool in him to where he could hit around 280 to 300 in that range. And then also kind of the the part that we haven't really seen as much so far in the year that we've seen is C.J. Abrams is that his, his speed, man, his speed on the base path, can really affect games, especially with all the new rules in Major League Baseball. It makes it easier for guys like him to take advantage of it and seal all those bags. So I think when it comes to C.J. Abrams, his batting average is going to be up there. That's always That was always the promise when it came talking to C.J. Abrams, the prospect. Now, whether if he can get on base and can add some more power, which I do think he can add more power now, will that be in home runs or doubles and triples? We'll just have to see. But I do think he has that ceiling to hit around 20 home runs. And for a leadoff spot, for someone who's going to hopefully steal 30-plus bags someday, maybe 40, that's a huge step up for someone who's only 22. Talking with Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals. It's crazy that we're at this point of the season, Ryan, where we're looking at the trade deadline, but it's quickly approaching. What do you expect for the Nationals to do at the trade deadline? Well, I, I, we're definitely going to sell, I can tell you that much. Jamer Candelario, the third baseman, he's going to have a hot market. I, I look at teams like maybe even the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, uh, and who really knows? You never know with the trade deadline with teams and what they want to fill. But I look at guys also in the back end of the bullpen, like maybe Hunter Harvey prior to his injury, but since that injury, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Carl Evers Jr. could be getting moved. And I think Kyle Finnegan is going to be a hot name as well in this market that I think not a lot of people are really expecting to be that hot commodity. But 
I think when I look at Kyle Finnegan, I see someone who, if he was with the Tampa Bay Rays or the Los Angeles Dodgers, I could just see him working out and they would find something with him because I've always believed in the stuff of Kyle Finnegan. I just think that the Nationals in some times aren't the best at developing guys like that who are very raw but has really looked good so far over the last course of the year. Do you think there's any chance they move Lane Thomas? I don't want them to. You know, we've talked about this plenty of times. I kind of get the sense that they're not going to, but what do you think? Over the last few weeks, honestly, like a a month ago, if you were to ask me that, I would have said no, no chance. But as we inch closer to the deadline, I think Mike Rizzo is going to take a shot at it. I think he's definitely going to feel calls for Lane Thomas. He was asked about it in his press conference, I believe, over the last week, and he did say that we are open for business. And I think he was specifically asked about Lane Thomas, and I don't think he said yes or no to that, but even then, it would make sense to move him now. Do you believe in Lane Thomas and what he does going forward with all the prospects that you have, or do you think that you could sell high at this moment in time and get whatever you can for him? Because Lane Thomas, the discussion has always been, can this guy be a fourth outfielder outfielder on a winning team? And I think he's kind of blown past those expectations, and teams could be looking for someone that could play any outfield position. He's going to hit for average. He's got sneaky pop. He can run the bases, and he plays a great defensive right field if you stick him anywhere out in the outfield. So I think that's going to be a commodity for a team. It's just whether or not a team will meet the price that Rizzo's going to make. And then one more on the trade deadline before we get into some more big-picture things. Jamer Candelario. I think that in terms of third baseman in the National League this year, you could argue he's been up there with just about anybody at the plate, defensively. I think he's been very valuable for this team. They're going to move him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. What do you think he fetches at the trade deadline? Oh, man. I mean, I I don't think Candelario is going to fetch like a big-time prospect, but I could see the Nationals getting a relatively decent-sized prospect, whether that be a top 100 guy. If it is someone like that, then it would probably be or very much likely be in the back half of that top 100. But Jamer Candelario... Like I said, he's on a one-year deal. It's going to be a rental. No one's going to give up a big-time prospect for that. But what teams could do is that they could try to tag in like a Kyle Finnegan, and that's what the Nationals may want to do as well, and tag in another player to try to get a better prospect in return overall. At least if I was a GM, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be trying to tag in Candelario, maybe even Lane Thomas in that, and try to capitalize on that and get the best player possible in a trade. Two more for you here, talking with Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals and G&D. How do they fix this bullpen? And not even talking about specifically this season, because we've talked about possibly trading Harvey, Finnegan, Edwards. Going forward, I mean, hopefully this team's competitive in the next couple of years. But this bullpen right now is anything but competitive. How do they fix that? (laughs) I mean, the bullpen, there's no fix for this year. I think think we all know that at this point. But I think it just goes nuts depth in the system and I think when you have a decade-long run of success like the Nationals did you're going to juice a lot of guys that come up through your system like a Tyler Clippard back in the day someone who's not really the hottest of commodities but you develop him down in the minors and he comes to the Nationals and he was very good for us you look at guys like Drew Storen another first round pick while his career wasn't as planned it still was a decent one he was a good reliable arm there for a little bit but then you sell off a lot of these guys like Blake, Blake Trinan, and you think back to other guys 
like a Jesus Lazardo who could have been in the Nationals bullpen at that time. So I, I just think that the Nationals will have to keep continuing to take a bite out of the apple and drafting guys in those mid-rounds, and they could be something down the line. But I also think when you have young talent in there, like an Amos Willingham or a Jose Ferrer, I think you have to give those guys all the opportunities in the world to really develop their craft and make sure that they are comfortable at the major league level because those are the future of your bullpen. So you have to keep them healthy first and foremost, but you also have to give them every advantage in the book. Last one here for you, Ryan, before we let you go. What are you looking for? Got a couple more months left in the season. What are you looking for the rest of the way? What are you watching? Well, I know we've talked about this, Toby, and when we're talking specifically about Mackenzie Gore, I need to see Mackenzie Gore to finish this year healthy. His last year in his rookie season, he did not finish healthy. He was shut down as soon as he got to the Nationals. And so far this season, I think he's looked really good. Obviously, he's had some tough stretches here over the last few months or so. But when you look at what he can do, and also C.J. Abrams and Josiah Gray and all the young guys who are a priority for this future, you want to see them stay healthy because there's no developing when you're sitting on the bench. It's just as simple as that. So you have to keep these young guys healthy going forward and continue this rebuild as those are some of the core guys of this thing. It's not going to work out. This rebuild will not work if you don't have a healthy C.J. Abrams, if you don't have a healthy Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, and Kibar Ruiz. So I think health is wealth for this team going forward, but you also have to develop them when they stay healthy and really keep an eye out and don't really stretch these guys out. This is not a winning team. We're not going to be winning many baseball games the rest of the year. So keep them healthy, keep them developed, and give them the opportunities to take that next step like we've done with C.J. Abrams over the last few weeks. Ryan, appreciate the time, man. Got any fun plans for the weekend? I mean, I guess it's already mostly done with Saturday, but got any fun plans? (laughs) I got nothing this weekend, man. Sitting around. (laughs) Well, get rested up. It was a pretty busy Thursday and Friday for you. Appreciate you joining us. No problem, Toby. Thank you. There you heard from Ryan Clary, our buddy from Locked On Nationals, the producer of Grant and Danny. He joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. And talking about podcasts about the Nationals, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, check out Bustin' Loose Baseball. On the Odyssey app, myself and Grant Paulson talking all things Nationals, prospects a lot of the time, breaking down what's going on in the minor leagues, also talking about what's happened at the big league level. Make sure you check that out on the Odyssey app. Again, Bustin' Loose Baseball. Check that out with Grant Paulson and myself. We'll continue talking about the Nationals. want to talk about C.J. Abrams. This guy has been a totally different player in the leadoff spot. We'll talk about that next here on The Fan, the Team 980, and anywhere on the Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, 1067 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 6.30. Then we turn it over to Charlie and Dave. 
for Nats on deck ahead of Game 2 between the Washington Nationals and the San Francisco Giants. C.J. Abrams bobblehead night. That's what I want to talk about. This guy has been a, such a different player in the leadoff spot. We'll get into some of the numbers here in the next segment. But if you've just watched him over the last 10 games that he's been in the leadoff spot, he just looks more confident. The way he's playing defense, he just looks better. Like he, he just looks like a totally different guy. And sometimes you just need something to spur you on. I think he's really taken ownership of that leadoff spot. So, like, looking at him, the way he's getting base hits at times, he's not the same player as him. He's not as fast. But he reminds me a little of Trey. Trey Turner. Think about how Trey gets on base at times. It's not hitting a ball into a gap or getting it into the outfield. Sometimes for Trey Turner, it's literally put the ball on the ground, make the shortstop have to go deep in the hole, and he's not going to throw him out. CJ's had a couple of those hits where he just flicks it out there, shortstop's going to his right, he's got to try and throw him out from over there, and sometimes the shortstop just looks over there and eats it. He's like, yeah, I'm not getting that guy. And that's the kind of speed that I want to see out of him continuing going forward. Like, I think he's got that kind of play. Like, he's just been a totally different player in the leadoff spot. And I think this is what they expected when they traded for him. Like, he wasn't the, the key piece in this. You know, maybe James Wood ends up being the guy that, is the top dog out of this entire trade. But when you look back at that trade, maybe that's something we can get to in the next segment as well. And all the guys that they got for that Soto deal, you got to be pretty happy where you're at if, as Nationals fans. And this season has been about the young guys. And I think it's been really encouraging to look at what C.J. Abrams has done over the last couple of weeks, really the last month, and specifically since he's been put in the leadoff spot for the last 10 games. I don't know how you can't look at that and get really excited. We'll continue talking about that as we lead up to the Nationals game. C.J. Abrams bobblehead night. We'll continue talking about him next here on The Fan, the Team 980, and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.